Welcome to Try Catch, a podcast on anything application development related, brought to you by EI2. My name is Natalie Gertis. I'm an application developer at Farm Credit Services of America. Today, in this episode, I talk with my teammates, other developers, about our Coding Dojo sessions. And these Coding Dojo sessions that we've had is based on a book called The Coding Dojo Handbook by Emily Botch. For context, I'm going to read to you an excerpt from the back of the book. Here goes. This handbook is a collection of concrete ideas for how you can get started with a coding dojo, where a group of programmers can focus on improving their practical coding skills. When you step into the coding dojo, you leave your daily programming environment with all the associated complexities and problems and enter a safe environment where you can try stuff out, make mistakes, and learn with others. It's a fun and rewarding activity for any bunch of coders. So that's a really good synopsis from the back of the book. In the episode, I talk with my teammate developers about how we got started with the coding dojos, the structure of the coding dojos, and what we got out of it. We even talk about our philosophy and approach with TDD, test-driven development, in our real work. Listen in. Okay. (laughs) Team support. (laughs) Well, let's get started. I am with my fellow developer teammates, and we want to talk to you guys about the coding dojos that we've been doing within our team. And so to put voices to names. So I'm Mitch Snyder. I'm a developer on Team Jedi, but you may know me as that one intern. <laughs> uh, I'm John Order, also a developer on Team Jedi. I'm Roshni Rao. I am the key radio on Team Jedi. Four out of five of us are here that have been doing the coding dojos on a regular basis. Andrew McClannan, he wasn't able to join us. He's here with us in spirit. What is a coding dojo? You want to take this, John? Yeah. I guess the name coding dojo comes from the book, I think. I think the author coined that. But essentially, it's a group of developers getting together and doing code katas or just practicing some programming problem. And a kata is, I think that comes from karate, but it's become popular in developer circles for just easy practice problems that you can do uh, usually to practice TDD. And that's what this book, The Coding Dojo, talks about. Right. Let's talk about how it got started on Team Jedi for us. John, yeah. you want to share that yeah. story? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. 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 So I stumbled upon this book. I don't really even remember how I found it, but I saw it and I I really liked it right away. So I ordered it and I thought it would be really fun to do on the team. So I just sent an email out and I was like really happy with the response. Everybody was really excited about it right away. That was amazing. But yeah, so yeah, we, I sent that email out. Everybody was really excited. We got together one Friday. I just read through the book. The book has a lot of strategies on setting up a dojo. It has a bunch of different practice problems. So we did the bowling game was the first one we did. Some people might be familiar with. It's pretty popular one, pretty popular coding kata with TDD. You can find a lot of examples online. uh, And that's the one we did. And I know when I saw the email, everybody was replying right away. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. We want to do it. (laughs) And then the way that we started out was we did it kind of like an extended lunch hour. I liked how we started out with a simpler one and just like learned the structure. Yeah. Share the structure that we did. Do you guys remember what we, how we started out? Yeah. So we would have 
someone start out by writing an initial test and then creating like the class that we would be using for it and maybe like a constructor and a starter method, but then we would have a second person step in and do the simplest solution possible to get the test to pass. And once that was finished, then there was time for refactoring and then they would ultimately write the next test and then the next person would step in and do the same thing that they had done for the first test. Uh, and just the first time we did it, we just went around the room, uh, kind of rotated uh, without splitting up into pairs. But I think it was after that week, we s split into a group of two and a group of three. Right. Kind of mm -hmm. took our own path. Right. You had one person that was a coder, yeah. and then another person would be the advisor and pair. Yeah. Yeah, the silent observer. Right. Yeah. And then we had a debate on who was allowed to talk and not talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember that, that was something in the book that she suggested like having a rule that only the you know only the pair can talk at a time and they the audience can only talk if the pair asks for help and i it was kind of funny because i kind of threw that out there and everybody kind of had a good time of restricting the audience from talking but i didn't i didn't think it would ever really get out of hand with our small team but it, it, it was still fun right like i think we do some everything hey you're supposed to be talking <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey that's yeah. not a line <laughs> But we weren't talking on top of each other. Yeah. So eventually we just decided not necessarily a rule we strictly follow now. Right. Well, I think uh, another part of that is, is that we did split into smaller groups. So like John and I were the only two in our group. So That's right. we never really had an audience to, <laughs> to keep from talking right. at that point. But so I guess I don't know how you guys did that. We talked when we wanted to, right? <laughs> I think we were taking turns to refactor as well. But I think when we did the group, the review in the end was quite interesting that we did across the group. Mm -hmm. Right. Although we were in the same room, I think we were kind of going in different direction as well. Yeah, it was very interesting to see how different the approaches of the two groups would be. Yeah. It's like we, John and I would take one approach and then you three would go the complete opposite direction, but we would end up in the same spot yeah. Yeah. Right. either way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun to share, like at the end when we would share, here's what, here's how far we got, here's how we did it. Here's some problems we ran into. Here's what we want to do next time. And then you guys would share yours. That, that was fun. Like a little mini retro. Yeah. It was like learning from each other. Yeah. Like some things we picked up, some things like we were like, oh, well, we did this. Oh, well, we did that. Right. <laughs> a, little, a little competition we had as well. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was also interesting thinking about the bowling rules and talking about that. It wasn't just about TDD and coding, and that was good practice and discipline and working with each other. But the other aspect was understanding rules and requirements. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll explain, if anyone's not in, like familiar with that bowling game kata, we would send in a string of frames. So it would be how many pins you knock down per frame. And then our method would get that input. And then we would the, our method would calculate the score. And it was constrained, so we always had valid input. I think it was, so basically 20 numbers, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. 20 holes. Yeah, and we all, yeah, we all became very familiar with the rules of scoring a bowling game. Yes. I think afterwards, <laughs> we're like, we should go bowling. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the kata had some basic rules that we yeah. had to start with. So that kept us focused on what we needed to achieve with that yeah. dojo. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really happy because 
we were doing we were, we were all doing the the do, the dojo as a group and we i remember we were going down one path i can't remember exactly what it was but we got almost through the entire thing and then we realized this last wrinkle the way we were you know the way we had it wasn't going to work so i remember we pretty much like threw all of our code away and we commented out all of our tests and we almost like started over but, I think we did start from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> but I was really happy because like all those tests that we had written, you know, helped us get get back to where we were and right. eventually finish it. And another challenge was what did you guys think about this? Like how far ahead did you think during the coding kata? Step by step, were you thinking all the way to the end? It just kind of depended on the situation. I know at one point during the the bowling one, I was thinking ahead to where I was thinking, like, do we create, like, a list of frames or do we leave it as a list of individual roles? And um, I know that was something that ended up coming up later. But, like, then with the other one that we did, the Roman numerals one, I don't think I really did much thinking ahead on that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Do you guys remember any examples of our test names? No, put you guys on the spot. That's rather specific. Um, (laughs) I know. (laughs) I, I think we followed the given when then format right so given the name of the method um a certain input so like when 10 one pin rolls in a row then this is the output right yeah um, i think that was generally the format we yeah we took we first started off with an hour and then we decided as a team that we wanted to make it an hour and a half mm-hmm. and it's typically been we would do a coding kata once a week and mm. then We'd bring our lunches and chat a little bit about it and then get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it also turned into a bit of a social time for the team as well, I feel. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't work, really. It was just a time to have fun while developing on our own skills. Right. So what did you guys get out of it? And I can go. I think this was pretty new for me. When I heard the word dojo and kata, it didn't make any sense. But the whole team is excited. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing, but I am in. Right. And that's how I started coming to the coding dojos. But as the QAD, we always talk about, you know, like TDD and everything. But the concept was there. The practice was not there. So when we started working on it, it, it really helped me realize what it actually meant. Like focus on what we are doing, getting the test to work for the purpose at the moment and not look at, you know, like not think ahead and plan everything because as you do that, you write better code because you're constantly thinking and then refactoring and going back to what mm-hmm. you were working on before. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Even as a coding for a long time, it's still not natural for me to think code, test first, then code. And just having that discipline and that constant practice for like, no, this is the structure we're doing helps make that more natural or build those muscle skills, I feel for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know that like the people that invented katas and, you know, the people that say you should do a kata, I don't know, every day. I think that's, that's what they say is it should be muscle memory. You know, like when you do these practice problems, you do them so that when you come to a similar situation in you know real life code you just do it without even thinking after we did some coding katas Mm -hmm. john you and i paired on a story and we're like let's have fun with this on the ui code our first um our code katas that we've done have been in c sharp 
um, but we did it in JavaScript and or TypeScript yeah. or both. Well, mm-hmm. anyways, we won't go into that. <laughs> but and then we just did it TDD style. We take turns. It's yeah. pretty intuitive and fun. Yeah. 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 Anything else that you guys get that makes you code differently or think differently because of these coding dojos experiences? I mean, I feel like in general, I walked away feeling more confident in writing better unit tests or kind of thinking about what I needed the test to do and how I was going to accomplish that, how I was going to show that while avoiding, you know, false positives. It also helps make sure it doesn't work to begin with and then you fix it and it actually works, mm-hmm. unit test. Yeah. Thinking small in smaller units is another one. Yeah. Sometimes I could like rush in and think about, okay, how do we tackle this? And I'm like, wait a minute, one thing at a time. Like, yeah. Make yeah. it readable. And yeah. It, and it definitely helped break up the components that we were working with too and kind of figuring out what parts could be smaller components, what could be extracted into individual methods. Yeah. Helped us write cleaner code, I think. Yeah. Learning resharper shortcuts and Visual Studio shortcuts, I think, is a is a really good one. Right. Like especially like the resharper extract variable, extract method, those kinds of things. Right. I think that's another benefit. Like you do a kata enough and you can practice all of those all of those shortcuts. I guess for me it was a really good exercise because I found myself writing the test first a lot, a lot of times, most of the times. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, making it so that the tests are readable it equates to simpler code. Right. At least for in, in my, from my point of view, it was if the tests are simpler, then the code also looked simpler, at least to me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that brings up an interesting question. In our actual real-life work, our coding dojos help us to supplement what we do um, as a team. But with our actual work, what, what is everyone's philosophy on when to do test-driven development and when not to? <laughs> Loaded question. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, I guess for me, I've been doing it a, a while. So for me, it's kind of like my default. It's like I have to convince myself not to do it at this point. And I kind of feel like I work faster by doing TDD. Awesome. But that's that's just for me. And I, I, you know, I'm not by no means perfect or anything like that at it, doing it all the time, but I, I try to. Right. Yeah. So what percentage of time do you think you do do TDD? Like 70 to 80, I think. That's a pretty good percentage. Mine is lower. I must <laughs> confess. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've never really been in the habit of doing TDD right off the bat. It's, for me, it's always been more of a kind of look at a method. If you feel like it can benefit from having unit tests, go ahead and write some tests. Or if you're stuck trying to implement it or there's a bug in it that you're trying to figure out, then resort to unit tests. But I've never been in the habit of writing them before writing the actual code. Right. Roshni, what about you? I think I have paired a lot with John and every time we work on the UI, mm-hmm. one we always start out with, Let's write some tests, especially if it seems complex. And one mm. of the stories that I worked on was around the payoff. Mm. And John's first thought was like, let's write some tests. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say more, you know, 80, 90% of the time I start with the test. If there's Dang, logic. Dang, QAD. Mm. I know. <laughs> For those I don't know, quality assurance developer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So I guess for me, I'm, I'm a hybrid, but it depends on the story. Like sometimes if I feel like I just need to like play with the code a little bit, I might play with the code first instead of going straight to the test because it might transform. And then I'll, or when I'm writing the code, I'm thinking about the test, but I'm mm -hmm. not writing the test. I don't know. That might be a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sometimes I do a fusion. Um, but then I got to admit, sometimes when I'm feeling the pressure of deadlines, you know, for example, I'm sure there's stories that some people can think about. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know those tests, they need to be fixed. <laughs> but I'm like going for functionality. It's something that I know that I need to balance and be more conscious about and more disciplined with. So. Yeah, that's kind of like the classic problem, isn't it? Like, is having enough time to test. Right. But like, as you said, like, if you're doing it right, sometimes it can be overkill. Like 100% test coverage. Right. Do we really need it if the risk is low right. and we're not really gaining that much value from it? But if you're doing it right with the right balance, I do think it saves you time because you're sure. catching things faster. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know there was a lot of debate at the beginning of the Transact project about uh, what's a an acceptable amount of unit tests, kind of finding that balance between what's too much and what's enough. Right. Um, yeah. Right. There's a lot of back and forth on that. Yeah. It's always weird for me to think about because I don't, for me, I don't really think about unit tests for coverage because for me, it's it's like, like Roshni said, I, I want to write a test first because it like gets the requirements out of my head and it helps me focus. So for me, it's always been about like documentation and organization mm -hmm. refactoring more than like the percentage of coverage. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, it's easy to get wrapped up on the coverage because it's like a number you can point to. But right. it, it doesn't really mean anything in the end. Right. <laughs> that was a really good answer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I love about our coding katas is I really think it helps us communicate better as far as like talking about code, working together, and just our rapport. Mm, like, yeah. I, that team rapport, just having that shared experience together as developers and doing that and having fun with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, these dojos definitely helped make me feel a bit more comfortable with not seeming perfect in front of my coworkers. <laughs> so it kind of helped relax on that front too. Right. It helped, helped me realize that we're all here to learn. Not everybody has infinite knowledge of anything. So. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a good, that's a good approach in life. Like if I always was concerned about being perfect, then I would never really put myself out there. Hmm. So we mentioned it a little bit. We started off with the bowling coding kata, and then we evolved to the Roman numerals <laughs> yes. coding kata. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone want to share something about that? That one I remember we were a lot about the naming the test, yeah. whether it's Arabic. Or oh, yeah. I can't remember. So we 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 went from Arabic to Roman numerals, or were we going the other way? I think we went the other way. So I think had, we gave yeah, that's right. Arabic and spit out Roman numerals. Oh, yep, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so we had an input of a number, output was a string yep. of Roman numerals. Right, and I didn't know numbers was Arabic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Arabic even. Well, <laughs> but not aerobic. <laughs> and yes, we were laughing and joking about that too during yeah. our training dojo. <laughs> yeah. 
And that one we named really simply. We said given number. Mm -hmm. Wait, no, wait. Given. It was like given translate when, like your Arabic number, then your yes. Roman Thank numeral. You. Thank you, yeah. Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we did a lot of refactoring on that one too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that one, I know there was so much uncertainty about how Roman numerals actually worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was we, probably the most difficult part. Was, I, I think we did like three sessions before everyone yeah. had a good grasp of, yeah, how to do Roman numerals. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think that was like a really good example of, do we truly know yeah. the requirements? Do we truly know what we're doing and how it works? And like diagramming and talking it out and the back and forth communication mm -hmm. on that. But that was a really fun one to kind of increment things. And I think we did like up to 3,000 or mm -hmm. something like that. So obviously we're not going to write a unit test for every single scenario. So we did a couple like edge cases and then did some of the normal cases. And then after a certain point, it was like, well, shoot, every number we put in here comes out with the correct, the right. correct number. So it was right. kind of cool to see that all kind of come together in the end. I agree. Yeah. And we tested each other out, like, we'll try that number. Yeah. We'll try oh, yeah. that number. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to see which group would have one that would actually fail first. <laughs> right. And then we joke around, like, oh, I'm on this number. What number yeah. are you on? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I feel like they keep evolving our coding katas, because that first one was, like, learning the structure and then figuring out how that worked along with the bowling. And then, then we kind of had the structure down and we're figuring out a new challenge and then it it just like evolved to like instead of doing something in c-sharp why don't we do something yeah. on the javascript side yeah. of things so our next one that we're going to work on yeah is yeah yeah i think we started game of life yeah in typescript yep yeah i know i keep saying javascript oh, but typescript compiles javascript yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that should be really fun. And another thing I just thought of this was I've heard of other groups doing basically kata performances where that's just one person would basically kind of prepare a kata and do it in front of everybody. So that's kind of going back to going back to katas. I'm not a karate person, but I think like when you're going to the next belt, don't you like do you kind of like show off, you know, right. what you learned? Yeah. It's kind of the same the same idea there Dang. so you could do a kata in you know and show off you know all of your shortcut knowledge or right. do some different language or something like that right yeah maybe we can try that sometime too something to think about yeah. absolutely i'll remember i don't have to be perfect right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing to remember <laughs> well if other teams wanted to pick this up how can they get started and why should they do this mm. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's anybody that wants to start can just get a group together like we did, pick a problem. The bowling game was really good for us, but it can even be easier. There's uh, you can Google programming katas out there, and there's lots of different problems. You can buy the book. You can ask one of us to help you. But basically, just get together, uh, have some ground rules, make sure everybody's on the same page about you know what's going to happen, the problem how it's going to work, and have fun. Absolutely. I think I'll go back to what Mitch said. As a team, it's a good activity to do at least once. If they can keep doing it, I would encourage each team to do at least one yeah. coding dojo session or kata. 
Yeah. Right. Any yeah. other last words? Anything else about coding dojos? I would just say to summarize everything, coding dojos are a great way to get to know your team's working habits a bit more while developing on your own skills. Um, and I think they're a great thing for anybody to try. And you just got to do it. Just yeah. make that decision and go for it. And the, the book is called The Coding Dojo Handbook. It's by Emily, I think her last name is pronounced Bach, B-A-C-H-E. We'll put a link down below. <laughs> Check it out. Thank you all so much for your time. And go have some fun coding. Can you hear me, Mitch? What? <laughs> I can hear you. Thanks, John. <laughs> yes, I can actually hear you. Okay. <laughs> when I'm not talking, you can hear me? Yes. Okay, that makes sense.